Hello and welcome to the Mythological Africans podcast, where we read and talk about stories from African mythology and folklore. I am your host, Helen Day. week of LibriVox Magic. And if you don't know what that is, well, all this month we've been digging into the LibriVox archive of African folktales. What is LibriVox? It is a project dedicated to recording public domain texts and creating free audiobooks for download and use. LibriVox is run completely by volunteers from around the world, so if you have time, please consider signing up. You'll find links to the LibriVox website in the episode notes. This week, we are going to hear three stories that feature plants. The first, How Mushrooms First Grew, is a delightful chain tale from the Ashanti people in Ghana. The second, The Crimson Striped Lily, is from the Ganda of Uganda. And the third, Why the Plantain Stalk Bears But One Bunch, is from the Mpongwe people in Gabon. If you know anything about African folktales with non-human characters, you know that they can be mind-bendingly fascinating and utterly silly, but also they demonstrate just how keenly observant people were of the natural world around them, and how they used that knowledge to craft stories which preserved valuable information, but also said something about the human condition. And what always gets me about these stories is just the wildness of the imagination and the creativity that the storytellers had, because many of these stories will read sometimes like sci-fi or speculative fiction or like a surrealist painting. So two of the stories are explanatory folktales, which propose explanations for why things are one way or another. And now these reasons are not exactly Carl Linnaeus approved, but they shouldn't take away from the enjoyment of the stories. I find often that us modern humans sitting on centuries of scientific knowledge, and this is not a bad thing, but we can be a bit dismissive of these kinds of stories. The interesting thing, though, is that the people who crafted these stories had scientific knowledge, which, in my opinion, spreads wide more than it dug deep, right? So, for example, uh, they may not have known exactly what makes mushrooms grow, you know, that they are fungi and they produce spores, but they could probably name every kind of mushroom in their local area, tell you which, well, what time in the year each kind shows up, and advise you on whether or not these were edible. And, you know, those are the important things that you need to know, right? In any case, I hope you enjoy the stories. And as always, links to their sources are in the episode notes. And one last thing, a quick note that Mythological Africans is going on a much-needed break for the month of March, and I mean much-needed break. Um, there will be no podcast episodes during this time, and I will not be post- posting updates of any kind. And when we return, though, we'll be talking about music in African folklore, so see you in April. Cheers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org How Mushrooms First Grew From West African Folk Tales by William H. Barker
Long ago there dwelt in a town two brothers whose bad habits brought them much trouble. Day by day they got more deeply in debt. Their creditors gave them no peace. So at last they ran away into the woods. They became highway robbers. But they were not happy. Their minds were troubled by their evil deeds. At last they decided to go home, make a big farm, and pay off their debts gradually. They accordingly set to work, and soon had quite a fine farm prepared for corn. As the soil was good, they hoped the harvest would bring them in much money. Unfortunately, that very day a bush fowl came along. Being hungry, it scratched up all the newly planted seeds and ate them. The two poor brothers, on arriving at the field next day, were dismayed to find all their work quite wasted. They put down a trap for the thief. That evening the bush fowl was caught in it. The two brothers, when they came and found the bird, told it that now all their debts would be transferred to it, because it had robbed them of the means of paying the debts themselves. The poor bird, in great trouble at having such a burden thrust upon it, made a nest under a silk cotton tree. There it began to lay eggs, meaning to hatch them, and sell the young birds for money to pay off the debts. A terrible hurricane came, however, and a branch of the tree came down. All the eggs were smashed. As a result, the bush fowl transferred the debts to the tree, as it had broken the eggs. The silk cotton tree was in dismay at having such a big sum of money to pay off. It immediately set to work to make as much silk cotton as it possibly could, that it might sell it. An elephant, not knowing all that had happened, came along. Seeing the silk cotton, he came to the tree and plucked down all its bearings. By this means the debts were transferred to the poor elephant. The elephant was very sad when he found what he'd done. He wandered away into the desert, thinking of a way to make money. He could think of none. As he stood quietly under a tree, a poor hunter crept up. This man thought he was very lucky to find such a fine elephant standing so still. He at once shot him. Just before the animal died, he told the hunter that now the debts would have to be paid by him. The hunter was much grieved when he heard this, as he had no money at all. He walked home wondering what he could do to make enough money to pay the debts. In the darkness he did not see the stump of a tree which the overseers had cut down in the road. He fell and broke his leg. By this means the debts were transferred to the tree stump. Not knowing this, a party of white ants came along next morning and began to eat into the tree. When they had broken it nearly to the ground, the tree told them that now the debts were theirs, as they had killed it. The ants, being very wise, held a council together to find out how best they could make money. They decided each to contribute as much as possible. With the proceeds, one of their young men would go to the nearest market and buy pure linen thread. This they would weave and sell, and the profits would go to help pay the debts. This was done. From time to time all the linen in stock was brought and spread out in the sunshine to keep it in good condition. When men see this linen lying out on the ant hills, they call it mushroom. 
and gather it for food. End of How Mushrooms First Grew Section 15 of The King of the Snakes and Other Folklore Stories from Uganda by Rosetta Baskerville. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Crimson Striped Lily There was once a very beautiful little prince born in Uganda. One day, when his nurse had put him to sleep under a cedar tree in the garden, a great eagle swooped down and carried him away to her nest on the distant purple hills. The eagle had meant to eat him, but when she saw what a beautiful child he was, she pitied him and kept him to play with her little eaglets in the nest, and the eagles became his friends, and he learnt their language and many wonderful things about the birds and beasts and flowers. One day the eagle brought two kids to the nest, and the prince begged her not to eat them. So the eagle gave him the kids, and they grew up in the nest too. When they were quite big goats, the little prince took them to the hillside every day, and they played there with the other animals. When the spring rains came, the forests and jungles and swamps and hills were covered with flowers, great white lilies, five on a stalk, and tiger lilies of yellow and red, and ground orchids, purple and yellow and white, and some so queer that they look like bumblebees, and little rock flowers, and water lilies, pink and blue and mauve, and many other beautiful things. The little prince knew them all by name. One day he was out on the hillside, and he trod on a sharp stone and cut his foot very deeply. The blood poured out, and he could not tie it up to stop the bleeding. All his friends hurried up and tried to help, but none of them could stop the bleeding. Then the tall lily took her pure white petals and laid them on the wound, and the bleeding stopped. But the petals were stained with blood, a broad crimson streak. Then they called the eagle and told her what had happened. Little prince, she said, you have been with us long enough. It is time you return to your own people, for what should we do if harm came to the son of the king? So the prince said goodbye to his friends, and the eagle carried him away to Mengo, where the king lived. The king and his chiefs were in the council, when a messenger came to say that a great eagle was circling round the house with a child in her talons. They all went out to sea, and the eagle laid the little prince at his father's feet, and the people called him Prince Eagle from that day. There was great rejoicing, and the king sat up all night listening to the stories about the jungle which the prince told him. Then the king said, It was the lily that saved my child's life. Let me go and thank her myself. So they went to the distant purple hills and found the lily, and the king said, I have heard what you did, and I have come to thank you. For ever and ever you shall wear a broad crimson stripe on every petal, that all the people may remember that you saved the life of the king's son. End of section 15. Read by Laura Gibbs. Section 17 of Where Animals Talk. West African Folklore Tales by Robert Nassau. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mapongwe Tale 16. Why the plantain stalk bears but one bunch. Persons. Oyila, 
oil palm tree, akanda, plantain stalk, mabindi, wild goat. Note, according to native law of hospitality, duty to a guest requires almost any sacrifice. This is oriental. See Genesis chapter 19, verse 8. A plantain stalk bears but one bunch. Therefore, to gather the fruit, the stalk with apparent ruthlessness is cut down. But there are always from two to five young sprouts at the base, from two feet to five feet in height, which in succession take the place of the parent stem. Observe the cannibalism. All African tribes were formerly cannibals. Many interior tribes still are. This story is a marked illustration of the characteristic impossibilities in native tales, plantain being, at one and the same time, a plant and a human being. Palm tree produced plantain tree. Then there stood up an animal called wild goat, and it went to seek marriage with palm tree's daughter plantain. It was so arranged, and the marriage was held. As Goat and his wife were about departing to his own town, Palm Tree gave some parting advice to her daughter, Plantain. When you shall be about to become a mother, come back and stay with me. Not long after this, Plantain was to become a mother, and people went to Palm Tree to inform her of the fact. This daughter, Plantain, did not obey her mother's directions, but remained in the town until her child was born. This was told to Mother Palm Tree, who was dissatisfied and said, Eh, I told Akanda to have her child born with me. The reason the palm tree had given this direction to plantain was that, as her own custom in bearing her palm nuts was to have several bunches in sight at one time and ripening in succession, she wished her daughter to have the same habit. After plantain had borne her child, it grew well and became very strong. One day, strangers came to the town on a visit, and when the villagers looked for food for the visitors, to their shame, they found they had none. Then one of the women of the village said, Well, let us cut down this akanda and cook it and eat it. So a machete was seized, and plantain's stalk was slashed, and palm tree's child plantain was taken and cooked and eaten. At this, people went and told Palm Tree, saying, Your child is cut down and is cooked and eaten. The mother Palm Tree helplessly replied, What can I do? All this while, the husband Goat had been away on a journey. When he returned and came to his town and found that his wife, Palm Tree's child, was not there, he asked, My wife, is she dead? The people answered him, Yes. But, he asked, for what reason did she die? They answered, because the people of the town had no food for their guests. Mabindi complained further, saying, So, when Akanda was cooked, you gave your guests only plantains? Were you so inhospitable as to give them also no meat or fish? At this, the people were vexed, and they said, Well then, let this husband be killed and eaten as the meat. So they killed and ate him. This news people also carried to Palm Tree, telling her that Plantain's husband was also killed and eaten. Then Palm Tree came to the town to speak about the death of Plantain. The people justified themselves, saying, But what else could we do? It was necessary 
to provide for the guests. Palm tree submitted. Truly, had Akanda obeyed me and come to me and borne her child in my presence, she would have had abundance and would not have died. End of section 17. Read by Laura Gibbs.